Welcome to Round Hill Radio, the podcast from Round Hill Community Church. Through our conversations, we discover the holy and the ordinary, find moments of grace and peace, and redefine what we're talking about. We talk about faith. Good morning, Ed. Good morning, Leslie. How's it going? So far, so good. It's great. How about you? Oh, living the dream. <laughs> Keep living it. Keep living it. So um, today we're talking about a pretty fascinating topic. Yes, we are. Because I know very little about it, so I'm going to learn alongside all the rest of us, um, which is Pentecost. Happy Pentecost. Happy Pentecost. Is that a thing we say? We I don't, can. We, happy Pentecost, everybody. Um, <laughs> because we know about Christmas. We know about Easter. Yeah. Like, those are familiar to us. Pentecost, I feel like maybe sometimes gets a bad rap. Sometimes it sounds like a little... I'm just going to say it seems a little weird. <laughs> I think it's out there. Right. Because there's like the whole speaking in tongues thing. I'm, just, I'm going right in. I'm <laughs> diving right into like... Dive into the deep end. You might as well. I guess my question for the day is, hey, what's the deal with the speaking in tongues thing? <laughs> glossolalia. Hey. How's that? that That's was your word for today. Glossolalia. Glossolalia. I speaking like Speaking in tongues. Speaking so if it happens tongues. to you, you'll know what to say. Excuse me, I just had a moment. Just a little, cla- a little <laughs> case of the glossolalia. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> it's a beautiful word. I love that. Yeah. I love that. So this is the story of Pentecost, right? It is the story of Pentecost. Is complex. There's a lot going on there. Many layered. And you know, the thing about Christmas and Easter, there's no shortage of mystery in those stories as well. Sure. But they deal with very basic human realities. Sure. Right? Mm -hmm. And um, so those are very well established in the culture and in the tradition of the church. Uh, Pentecost, if it's celebrated at all in churches, sometimes it's referred to as the birthday of the church. Yes. That's a very common thing. And you'll have churches which will put out balloons and sing happy birthday to the church. You know. That's cute. (laughs) That's sweet. So these things have happened. I'll take an excuse to celebrate. Right. You know. know? So there's always a big birthday cake in the fellowship hall and things like that. (laughs) That's fun. I like that. The church. You just can't ever. You can't keep them down. You just can't. I like it. I like it. We'll find a way to We'll bring in cake no matter what. Brighten up an event, right? So that the interesting thing about Pentecost and its in its origins is that it's uh, so from the word Pentecost has within it the Greek word for fifty. Okay. So there is this sense that it is fifty days out from Easter, which is a tradition in the church known as the Great Fifty Days. You know, the great season of Easter. Hmm. So again, we always try to remind people that Easter is not a day; it's mm-hmm. a season, and therefore, it's it's the church evolving. Um, but Pentecost then is also connected with a harvest festival, a mm-hmm. wheat festival. So there's this sense that it was a time of celebration, mm-hmm. and. As such, in ancient in the ancient world, uh, in Jerusalem, there would have been probably devout followers of Judaism who would have been in Jerusalem. They were gathered. And then this remarkably uh, mysterious event happens. They're all together, mm-hmm. and they see these, these... It's a visual and an auditory event. That's what I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. It's visual because tongues of flame. Yeah. 
right, are right. suddenly there and they're like dancing above, like everyone has their own individual little lighter going on, right, <laughs> kind of above their head. Like in The Sims, like yeah, a little thing, but it, it's fire. It, exactly, but yeah. it's fire. <laughs> and, um, and then there are these, people begin to talk in their native languages, and yet everybody has the ability to understand, which mm -hmm. is remarkable. It's like a dream come true. That's or, very cool. Right? That's right. what that's what we dream about. Like we can sit in this room in this great international venue um, context and suddenly we can understand what everyone's saying, right. which is really extraordinary. So it is something that just stretches the, the boundaries in every possible direction. Um, I had an experience, and I'm not sure if I mentioned this experience as part of one of our podcasts, but when I was growing up, uh, we, my family and I lived at the very end of a dead end road. Mm -hmm. And there was one day when it was on top of a hill, we had this marvelous view of a lake below. And it was a very still, calm day, crystal clear sky, beautiful, you know, the, the green of the grass was so vivid, I can remember all of this. And then there was this just remarkable sound which sounded like wind. Mm -hmm. And this is, of course, part of the experience of Pentecost, right? right that right, there's right. this sort of gush of wind that happens. So there, it's also a forceful, natural event. That's mm -hmm. the other thing that takes place. So it, this lasted for a very short space of time. Um, and there were several family members present. Everybody registered this, but sort of looked at each other like, that was strange. What was that? <laughs> and then we just sort of dismissed it. A little bit later in the day when we went outside, I can't remember who saw this first, but someone came in and said, you know, everybody you ought to come outside and take a look at this. And the patio furniture, which was not exceptionally heavy, but heavy-ish, had been... <sighs> you can only think, lifted up and tossed out into the field behind oh my gosh. our house. Wow. So, you know, no one could could begin to fathom what that was all about. And I remember my mother calling the Schenectady County Airport to say, <laughs> hey, was there anything reported this afternoon, you know, weather-wise, that right. was a little out of the ordinary, like way out of the ordinary? Right. And of course, there was nothing, but it was a it was an event that we never resolved, never understood. Wow. You know, yeah, it was really very, very mysterious. So I have always connected Pentecost with that event. And so something happened in the life of the early church that galvanized it mm -hmm. and gave it a sense that it had not only, um, you know, its physical presence, but there was something, there was an essential intangible, the spirit. That's, that's what happens at the Pentecost. The Spirit right. really kind of gushes forth and united this very disparate group of people into one body. Mm -hmm. And that's really why we celebrate. That's why Pentecost is often celebrated as the birthday of the church. I'm not sure that's the best way to configure it, but clearly it was a moment of dramatic transition. Mm -hmm. And it's woven into the story of the church's unfolding. I mean, yeah, and the spirit is really is really what we're talking about because we just, you know, we had Easter and then we did the whole episode here on, um, on that sort of post Easter, Jesus yes. showing up and mm -hmm. then ascension, mm -hmm. um, and so then then as sort of a post Easter church, we're all sort of like, what's next? You know, we're waiting, right? And so then the Holy Spirit 
makes uh makes a an appearance makes an appearance that's right it becomes the breath of the church mm-hmm. and it becomes the living breathing energy of the church and the pentecostal church in its foundations was a dramatically interracial international phenomenon really yeah and it really started Azusa Street in Los Angeles uh, was the beginning of a gathering of people of faith who experienced, who felt that they experienced a revival of this original Pentecostal spirit, Okay, and then carried that forward. And uh, the Pentecostal church in many ways uh, erased some of the distinctions that have in a way plagued the church. You know, it, it, uh, it developed in its early years. Uh, without the hierarchy, you know, mm-hmm. it was democratized. It was the spirit that was guiding things. Nice. So there's a beautiful vision that's really behind that. I'm fascinated by this whole understanding of and presence of the glossolalia, the tongues. Yeah. Because it, to me, it signifies something that's very deep within us, Um in which we perhaps have some kind of intuitive understanding mm. of one another, you know, beyond the differences that separate us. Right. And what the Spirit does is call that forward. Mm-hmm. So uh, beyond that, I have not a clue about what's going on there. <laughs> and I've never heard it. You know, I've had colleagues who have been present when people have spoken in tongues yeah. and have described that to me as listening to someone speaking in a language that's completely unfamiliar. Yeah. It's interesting to me that actually speaking in tongues became a problem for the early church because apparently some people could do it Mm -hmm. and a lot of people could not. And they developed a little special inner circle, right? Yeah, not good, not good. And in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he used to say, he actually had to say to the church, you've got to stand down (laughs) from your, you know, super glossolalia speaking powers. Because if if you're speaking in that and a lot of other people don't have a clue about what you're talking about, that's not good. Sure. And uh, so... He, he really has to address that in one of the letters. And it just seems so odd for us to think about this as being a pastoral problem. Right. You know, like we argue over the color of the, you know, the rug on the parlor floor or something. <laughs> that's, that's what most churches argue about. But sure. here's, what, here's what the early church had to deal with. Yeah. Tongues. Can I go back a little bit? Because I'm curious about the 50, the 50 symbolism, because I know in... We hear about 40 a lot yeah. as this transformational number. Mm-hmm. Is there any special symbol? Yeah, why 50? Why, you know, is that why it's called Pentecost? Because it's 50 yes. days. That's where the name comes yeah, from. Yeah, so the word penta, out of the word Pentecost signifies five. Right. So the 50 comes from there. Um, and I don't know exactly why. It, it, so it is interesting, right, that it's a new number. Right. It's not like the, the strong tradition of the 40. Right. Uh, but the, the, the wheat festival or the harvest festival that was celebrated was also a time of <clears throat> celebrating the giving of the law from uh, Moses, from God to Moses at Sinai. So there's, there's also that dimension. <clears throat> and the fact that the spirit comes, you know, indicates that the spirit is continuing to speak, but it doesn't come with the the giving of specific laws. Mm-hmm. So you do get the sense that something very new is happening, building on the old traditions, 
but it's not the same thing. It's not pointing back to them necessarily. Maybe that's an interesting message for us living through this particular phase of the pandemic mm -hmm. where there is a very strong impulse to nostalgia. Sure. And, uh, you know, hearkening back to the past. And you can see this happening in churches. We're really desperate to say, you know, what did we like before? Mm -hmm. What felt good before? Yeah. Right? What felt secure? And I really appreciate that. I really do. And actually, I'm kind of a nostalgic person in general. And I noticed that a lot of the television series that have come out in the last couple, well, the last few years, yeah. have been, many of them have been set sort of 50 years ago, right? Because yeah. that's kind of the... I think for nostalgia purposes, that's what you want. You sort of look back 50 years. I think so. Right? Yeah. And uh, kind of disturbs me that <laughs> looking back 50 years and I'm thinking, yeah, that's when I was kind of little. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I understand. Seems like a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> it hurts. No, I understand. It hurts is what it does. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. I, t I completely understand. Yeah. Well, and as a, uh, apparently I've been categorized as a nostalgic millennial. Um, I love your description of yourself as a nostalgic millennial. I did not give myself that description. <laughs> We had a. It's accurate. Well, who, we who do we have to credit? Well, no, it was that we, we did that workshop, all about connecting with young people. That's right. It's like Generation Z, Generation yes. Z, and millennials, and I was the token millennial in the room. Um, <laughs> and I was always like, "Why well, don't I really feel like a millennial?" Because you know, I'm like an organist who likes fountain pens. And she's like, "Actually, you're a nostalgic millennial." And I was like, "Oh, okay, great. that cleared some things up." So you know, I, I you know, she. That person, I was, was, a, was a gentleman, but he, you know, he put me in a little bit of a box, but I, my box is comfy. I'm comfy in my box. I think you're... I've got pillows and blankets. I'm fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's a funny thing, this whole, the, 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 I feel like, I feel like I'm like, come on in everybody. The water's warm. <laughs> Nostalgia's great. Yeah. It's fine. Would you like to take a turn on my typewriter? Like, it's okay. Sure. It's all fine. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I think you're asking an interesting question about this, the notion of the 50 days. Yeah. And so it's really the, the, the distance from Passover to this harvest festival. I see. That's what defines the 50 days. Yeah. So, but Christianity then incorporates <coughs> that and makes this <laughs> distinction. Um, so now we have, however, now we go from Easter to Pentecost. Right. And I think one of the things that's... Um, to be considered about the spirit is that it's always leading into something that, uh, or it's often leading into something that's new. Right. And so it's not about drawing us to the past. Um, not, not entirely. There is a pat, a very interesting passage in the gospel of John where Jesus is preparing his disciples for his death. And he says, you know, he essentially says that he's going to give them his, he said, I will give you another advocate. Mm-hmm whose name is the Spirit. And he will help you to call to remembrance everything that I've taught you. So the Spirit has the function of calling to remembrance, kind of keeping in play in our mm -hmm. minds the things that Jesus said, his mm -hmm. instruction, his wisdom and stories. On the other hand, the Spirit is also ushering us into a world that we don't know. Mm -hmm. And so it brings us into the unknown. And we can't control it. Right. I think that's the operative thing. Right. Right. Um, it's something we can wait for it. We can position ourselves for it. We can be receptive to it, but we cannot control it. So recently, Shannon and I, about a month ago now, 
uh, published an episode about the various images of God. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And we were discussing, you know, how we view God. And I feel like in that we were t- touching on this idea that the spirit is one of the most often given a more feminine mm-hmm. identity, a more feminine energy. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about that? I think that's absolutely right. And I think that there is... Um, so it's interesting, in terms of the biblical record of the Spirit, there is also this kind of... I think part of what has given us reason to think that is that there is this a creative generative force that goes along with the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And it's there from the very beginning of the... It's described in the book of Genesis as being present, right? Mm-hmm. Over the unformed chaos of creation, but hovering there, looking for a way to create. Mm-hmm. And so I think that is true. Um, one thing I would add to it is that when, so spirit is often configured symbolically right. uh, over the centuries as either wind or water or flame. Mm-hmm. And as such, it's often configured as three wavy lines. Mm-hmm. And, um, so it's, it's as if it, it has that feminine, uh, connection, but also it's, it's, it's like it transcends mm-hmm. gender. Sure. Uh, sure, sure, sure. it's both. And yeah. that's part of its great mystery for sure. Right. And I think that's, what's really attractive about it. Yeah. I was reading an essay from uh, Barbara Brown Taylor in the Christian century. So she used to be a pastor in a local church. She wrote a book called Leaving the Church, Mm. and now she teaches uh, at a college in Georgia. But she said that she no longer wears a cross. She wears uh, it's some kind of a piece of jewelry which contains those three wavy lines. And I think that's kind of returning to that fundamental image of the spirit. Yeah. So, And I think she would not be alone there. It's often has felt to me as if the spirit is a much more unifying image when we think about connection between religions. Mm. You know, the cross obviously is highly distinctive. It relates to a specific event. It's a reminder of sacrificial love. It has a tremendous amount of power, but spirit is, but it speaks to uniqueness, Mm -hmm. whereas spirit speaks to universality. Right. And the same word, the word Hebrew in Hebrew, ruach, is spirit, it's breath, it's wind. Mm-hmm. And pneuma, which is neuter in Greek, is also, um, has that same feeling of breath and spirit at the same time. And it's the spirit, that it's the first thing that Jesus gives to his disciples after his death. Mm-hmm. It's like they are just out. And that's, that's his gift to them. When I hear you speak, um, sometimes you, you use the word energy mm-hmm. a lot. How how often would you say when you're using the word energy, are you directly referencing the Holy Spirit? A lot. Yeah. Yeah. I would say 90% of the time. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I liked, uh, there was a little book that came out years ago um, called Energy of Life, which mm-hmm. was, it was written by a man named Christer Stendhal. And um, who taught at Harvard, and he—that was his phrase for the Holy Spirit. I really liked that. Yeah. Even more universal. Yeah. Right. Right. And so I, you're, yeah, you're right. I use that phrase a lot, and I do use it in connection with the Spirit. 
for sure. I like that. It, it, I feel, I don't know. I feel like Holy Spirit for me at least can feel in its own box about what I feel, what I, I, maybe I have too many preconceived notions about Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. and too much of my own judgment about it. But Mm -hmm. the word energy to me feels so positive and so creative. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's that sort of very slight reframing I find really helpful. Yeah. I think that's a really great distinction. I think when we do use the term Holy Spirit, we think we, if we're going to use that phrase, we must also know a little bit of, you know, uh, the definition. Like there's right. a definition somewhere we should know. Right, right, right. And I think you're pushing beyond that, which is right. There's one really practical thing I would say about the Holy Spirit, and that is that in the early church, um, which was searching to find its way after a great loss, still in a traumatized state. Um, there was an experience that they had um, of Jesus before his ascension, Mm -hmm. before he really leaves them, and um, they don't know what to do. And the advice is to wait. Uh, The phrase is, wait for the promise of the Spirit, or wait for the promise of the Father, but it's really about waiting for the Spirit. Okay. And I think what the church is discovering, especially through the pandemic, is that this hyperactivity that's been part of the church for so long, like, mm-hmm. you know, the goal to be big church, big programs, all of it, mm-hmm. um, can be diminished because what, what our, our real mission is to trust that the spirit knows what it wants to do. Mm-hmm. And it wants friendship and partnership and relationship with us. If we can create enough space in us and around us, to let it find us, mm-hmm. then we'll we'll find a way to do the thing that we most need to do. And I think that's what the Spirit is really there to provide, that guidance. Well, thank you, Ed, for, for helping me understand a little bit more about Pentecost today, about the Spirit, about this energy. Um, I have a feeling it'll probably make its way <laughs> into our podcast some more. I think so. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you back here next week. Round Hill Radio is brought to you by the friends and members of Round Hill Community Church. For more information, please visit roundhillcommunitychurch.org.